hello. Welcome. Tyler Bradfield. Is this actually the right age for you that I wrote down? Yeah, that is. 26 years old, Tyler Bradfield. Jack, I'm going to have to pick. Are you 17 or 18? Uh, still 17. Jack is 17. <laughs> so welcome to my unlikely couple. It is B- <laughs> BH Creative. BH times Creative. BH Creative. Yeah, B- we, we, we call it BHX. BHX Creative, yeah. Makes Brad, things up Brad, a lot easier. Yeah, Bradfield Hudson. You know, oh, perfect. Big trend to do this. You know, yes. Science with creativity. So it's very creative. Yeah, very <laughs> creative. So they have a beautiful logo, beautiful website. Um, local. Would you call yourselves creatives or videographers or what's the proper? Yeah, we would just call ourselves a production company, uh, specializing in uh, creative content, whether that be video, whether that be any sort of like marketing materials or branding materials. So, yeah, yeah. So Jack, you're 17. That's, that's so the, the thing that I wrote down next to each one of your names, so you each have kind of a set of questions before we got started. Um, I wrote down, Tyler is a three-time Emmy Award winner, and then Jack has zero. <laughs> hey, we're going to get there here. What's an Emmy? What, what, how do you win your Emmys? You yeah. won Emmys? Yeah, so like, you know, the Oscars and the Grammys, and the Emmys are for television. Uh-huh. So um, when I was at Ball State... In my undergrad, sure, sure. yeah, church, church. In my undergrad and graduate years, I was working on human interest features. So think like thirty for thirties or E sixty style pieces um, on athletes on Ball State's campus, and uh, three of those Emmys, so one in 2016, 17, and then eighteen, uh, were nominated, and then won uh, an Emmy award. You know, you're nominated against television. Uh, you know, stations like WTHR, WRTV six out of Indianapolis, Cleveland. Um, Columbus to stations, things like that. So, um, yeah, won three of those, and that was very shocking. I was like 21 years old, standing on a stage, you know, and they're saying, and the Emmy goes to Tyler Bradfield, and I'm like, I'm like, what? You know, I'm nominated against like the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I was like, how did this happen? That is absolutely (laughs) insane. Yeah. So it's it's crazy because Mm -hmm. you guys actually, being as far apart in age as you are, you actually have so much in common in the sense that you had both now success at such an early age. Yeah. Tyler, yours was, even when you were in high school, sports broadcasting, you were winning awards all over the state, Mm -hmm. let alone winning three Emmys when you're 21 years old. Mm -hmm. That says a lot about how you probably chose Jack or Jack chose you, is you saw probably a lot of yourself in him. Yeah. I'm assuming all of this. This could all be a lie. No, all of that is accurate. I mean, I I don't want to speak for him too much, but like... It wasn't necessarily like a choosing sort of thing, like, hey, we're looking to do this, and we're like looking for partners and things like that. It just so happened we started shooting together, mm-hmm. and then it turned into a half joke. Like, ha, uh, you want to shoot some weddings? Yeah, yeah, I said, hey, I, you know, he had talked to me. He's like, hey, I would like to get some weddings on my reel. And I was like, well, I've been turning down some of the weddings recently just because I didn't know how much I can handle. And he's like, well, why don't you accept them? And, you know, we could shoot a couple this summer. I was like, okay. And, um, one random day, we kind of joked around like, it could be a company, yada, yada, yada. And then one random day, I had three brides reach out to me and then a business. And, um, and it was all in one day. All in one day. So I called him and I was like, hey, man, um, you just want to do this? And he's like, yeah, great. And I was like, if it works, it works. You know, at the end of the day, maybe we'll be able to afford like, I don't know, maybe just a camera. Like I a nice camera. laptop. Yeah. 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 He, going to college. Right. Yeah. He can get a nice laptop for college. I can get myself a nice camera and it will be good. And then all of a sudden... Boom, it took off, and I'm sitting here looking at him, and we're sitting in a four-star hotel in Atlanta about to work for, like, a major company, and it's like, how did this happen, and there's yeah. major dollars coming in? <laughs> it's yeah. just like, wow, like, we're doing this. Right. So Well, and, and prior to that, I had been doing some work for my, my uncle, self-employed, so I have been working on his website and taking pictures there, and he'd been working for a small company locally as well. So we both had a little bit of gear. We pieced it together. We're like, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, and that was six months ago. How long ago was that? We started in March, right? Yeah. So Perfect we, timing to start a business. Yeah, yeah. March. March. Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty. Uh, March of. So we. No, had, wait, wait. That's we, that's incorrect. February's when. February's February. Still, the world shut down the next month. Yeah, yeah. And, but and then again, I, you didn't have anything yeah. to lose. You both had job. Yeah. You're in high school, Jack. Yeah. At the time, I had a full time job, so it was. And what's crazy is the world shut down. And things ramped up for us. And the reason being is because everybody needed digital content at that time. Yeah. So there was a lot yeah. of sneaking around. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know? It was like, okay, we have to get in the Salesforce Tower today, but it's locked down to go do an interview. Yeah. So, I mean, there were a lot of those moments where it's like, how are we here? Just how are we here? Yeah. Totally. Like locked in some 
random staircase in the Salesforce Tower in downtown Indy trying to get in to shoot a commercial for the guy running for Indiana Attorney General. You know, that, like that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, we were in the staircase. We're like, did we really just do that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, yeah exactly. Because each floor is locked to its own. And we're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Some good footage. B-roll out of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You could say that. <laughs> so then let's back it up a little bit. Uh-huh. Jack, your history is not nearly as long in the business, obviously, just due to lack of age. Um, Tyler, I was going through your LinkedIn profile, and I truly think... Of all the LinkedIn profiles I've gone through in probably the last six weeks, six months, it is the longest LinkedIn profile I've ever seen for somebody who has eight years of work history. Yeah. So you graduated from Pendleton Heights in 2012. I did, yes. And then what the heck happened after that? Because oh there's 17 things on there, yeah. and half the time you're getting your master's until yeah. last year. Yeah. How do you work so much and go to school? <sighs> Why no did sleep. you work so much? No sleep, no. So, I mean, a part of that, and it's funny you say LinkedIn. I was just thinking about my LinkedIn the other day. I was like, man, I have not touched or done a thing with that thing in a long time. I probably need to update that. But, um, no, so I graduated from Pendleton in 2012, and I knew at that time that I wanted to pursue sports broadcasting. I thought it was going to be on the air. So I went to Ball State, and they have a fantastic program within their telecommunications department. It's called Ball State Sports Link. At the time, it was just an extracurricular activity that you could be a part of. Focused more, though, on the production side, but there was on-air opportunities through it. Well, after my freshman year, it became a major, and so I pivoted away away from doing broadcast news to digital sports production. And through that is when I started to pick up cameras more readily, and I started to get more involved. Um, By the time I was a senior, I was still doing on-air stuff, like for the student radio station and things like that, traveling with the teams. There's two paid positions on Ball State's radio network, uh, like voices that would go do the games for the teams. The number two had left, and that job was open, and Ball State offered it to me. So I I took the job, and I hope this doesn't turn into a too lengthy of a story, but I I took the job, and um, I did it for a year, and I was preparing to graduate, and it was... It was really good. At the time, I was starting to get a lot of interest from some bigger level agents and some talent coaches and things like that. There's an award uh, within the broadcasting community that's really big called the Jim Nance Award. Mm -hmm. And they take all of the college broadcasters and then rank them. And your top 20 uh, get ranked and get a number next to their name. The top six are All-Americans. And Ball State had never had an All-American. And I was like, "That's that's my goal. My junior year, I finished second. And then senior year, I finished third. Um, so I was Ball State's first All-American. At that time was when I kind of started to fly under the radar a little bit with on-air. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking after undergrad, I said, if I let, were to leave, I'm getting good interest now, but a lot of these agents are saying just continue to get reps and continue to do it at this level that you're getting as we continue to see your development. So I could leave and go to Idaho and do sports out there. I could just stay at Ball State and keep this job. But it was like, okay, it's good pay but I could, because it's just seasonal work. I don't yeah. know if I could maintain it full-time. What can I do? And uh, my director of SportsLink came to me and said, well, why don't you be our graduate assistant? Go to grad school, and we'll put you back into the system. Um, so your graduate tuition's paid for. We'll pay you a stipend to be here. You teach, help teach the program, help lead. You can also do your on-air stuff in addition to that, and away we go, and you'll do graduate work. I said, okay, perfect. So Sweet deal. <laughs> yeah. At the time, it seemed like a sweet deal. I really struggled with it, though. It's weird. I felt stuck in a way, and I felt like, am I really advancing? And, you know, looking back, I think it's just my personality. But so I did that, and through that is when Ball State, at that time, had just landed a contract with ESPN. So that is when I started to get uh, television reps on, like, an ESPN3 or ESPN Plus platform. And so that was really good for me, but I just grew bored with it. I know that's a really weird saying. Like, people are like, you had a dream job working on television broadcasts that are going to like ESPN type platforms and I just grew bored with it like it was like the same sideline and I like saw some of the biggest things in sports like I've stood on the the turf of the Super Bowl before and like interviewed Tom Brady face to face and like I've been face to face with Paul George and you name it I've probably like yeah I've had an interaction with him I just grew bored with it and so I knew that I don't know if this is exactly what I wanted to do. And at that time is when production was really starting to ramp up for me, like through SportsLink. Mm -hmm. And that's when the Emmys took place. And that's when I started to like get recognition for the stories I was crafting. Two years, I was two years into graduate school and I decided I'm just going to go get a job. 
I, didn't, I wasn't going to finish. If I was going to finish, it was going to be remotely. And I started putting out feelers for job applications. I was freelancing here and there for random things. And um, on top of like the other stuff. And I got a job with the ACC Network Division of ESPN mm -hmm. uh, down in Charlotte. So took the job, moved down there, and I got down there. It was a great job. Uh, I was going to be an associate producer. Uh, the job was focused with features, live game production, but one of the big tasks that I was going to have is they're working on a Netflix series. I was going to spend like a couple years on a Netflix series. Oh, wow. And getting it to screen. So like first day, they came in, they're like, hey, here's our big whiteboard of like storyline that we're thinking. Could you like maybe even like just blow this up? And like how would you craft this story? And so like it was awesome. Uh, dream job, but I just couldn't handle the move, and I knew like that wasn't it. There was just some sort of gut feeling. So I, after a short period of time, I talked with my bosses, and they for it was the weirdest thing. They just said, "Well, why don't we go ahead and get you on home?" I was like, "Okay." They're like, "We'll book the next flight for you," and I was like, well, "That's really weird from a business to say that." And so he's yeah. like, "Yeah, let's just get you home." And so I came back and decided to finish the masters in person. Um, I finished my master's degree. And during that time, I had taken a couple extra little credits here and there. It was really humbling. I came back, had no job, because my Ball State job had ended, because yeah. I took their Charlotte job. I came back. I was working at Roadhouse. I was like 24, 25. I was working at Roadhouse, you know, like slinging rolls <laughs> and three Emmys to my name. And like, here I am. It was really humbling. Yeah. And so I finished the master's. Uh, took me, I finished the thesis, a couple extra credits to get that all buttoned up. And then I just started piecing together random freelance work. I'd always thought like I wanted to buy a camera and a random guy was like, hey, I'm gonna start this startup wellness exercise program. I need someone to make me videos. I was like, well, I've been wanting to buy a camera. And he's like, I'll pay you like 20 bucks an hour. And I was like, great, I'll just use that money to buy myself a camera. I was living with my parents and so I just started doing that. Best decision I ever made. <laughs> then I just started, I was like, well, I miss sports. I'll just go shoot some Pendleton Knights games. Met this guy and uh, then the high school offered me a job. So then I started, teaching I guess and that was really weird uh, so I just started teaching and then all of a sudden on the side we were like joking around about like hey should we start this company yeah. and we started now because we had met probably two yeah. months before he started teaching yeah so here we are so now yeah there's a lot of random work in there like you're like why did he work for the NCAA well yeah that was a freelance opportunity that was contracted out for some of my sub stuff at Ball State why did he work for <laughs> yeah so yeah the LinkedIn's probably pretty long yeah, <laughs> in a weird way and so I guess, yeah, if it's a long LinkedIn, it's probably a long story to get you there. But yeah, that's that's the uh, that's what I've done from 2012 to now. I mean, eight years of bouncing around and you finally ended up kind of back home. Yeah. I mean, truly. Yeah. Literally at some point at 24 years old, you were living at home. Yeah, literally. And like, it, I know I'm, I'm the type of person that I just love this area. I love Indianapolis and I'm the type of person that it seems like every time I go somewhere, I know someone when you walk in. And I knew I wanted that, and mm -hmm. I needed that. And now that what we're doing, what we are doing, networking helps so much. You know, like, it's it's a huge thing. And that's been, I think, a big part of our oh, success, yeah. or if you want to use that term. So, um, yeah, I yeah, landed home, and I love it. I live in Fishers, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, that being said, you ended up back at Weem. Yeah. Weem is kind of what made you... It, to who you are today, yeah. I would say. So, Weem, Jack, you were the video program director at Weem in 2019, correct? That's yes. good research. Yeah, <laughs> last year I was, um, and then the years before that I hosted a community show and won a couple national broadcasting awards there. Um, how, how old were you? Oh, gosh. 16, 15? Probably 15 when I got those awards. And what made you decide that you wanted to get into the broadcasting or at least the weed side? Did you get Yeah, so that started, that goal started in fifth grade. Um, <laughs> so else would it start? I joined elementary school news crew and was like, I can't wait to be on the radio. We're going to high school. So then we get there and I'm like, who listens to the radio? We're <laughs> in high school. Where's my Spotify? Um, yeah. So then things started to progress, and they're like, hey, we want to put in a video program at some point. I'm like, I want to head that up. Let's do it all the way. So things were kind of slow slow rolling, and I was just trying to figure it out, figure out a camera. I didn't own one, so I was borrowing the school one on the weekends, learning about it, learning how to frame rates and how to set up an interview and how to light things. And then from there, we met on the sideline one day, and we're like, hey, let's, let's work one of these football games together. And then we were shooting a couple more football games together. And then all of a sudden, he was 
in the classroom one day, <laughs> and we're like, hey, let's Hi, go to the elementary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mr. Radfield, you know? <laughs> and then it was like, gosh, let's put together some community pieces. And then things just kind of fell in line there. But, yeah, I've always... I think I've always been ambitious uh-huh. as far as being involved in school and in the community and things like that. And I, I grew up with self-employed people. So yeah. it's always been like, yeah. well, gosh, you're telling me you can't find the job you want. Go make it. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think that's that's the biggest thing. I think, you know, we're in gap. What would it be? 26 minus nine 17, years. nine years. Nine years. There's a nine year age gap there. But his who he is right now is who I was when I was that age. And like, I could see, I think we just both relate to each other. Yeah. And you know, at this point now, it probably sounds funny to people listening, like, wait, hold up high school teacher and student Student. form business together. Yeah. That's what happened. And it just clicked. And all of a sudden it went from, it was never because we knew each other prior. It was never like teacher sort of relationship. It just felt more like almost big brother, little brother kind of thing. Right. And then, yeah, if that, it was more like walking in and like, there's a friend there now instead of a, teacher it's like yeah. oh cool we can so, actually get things done like yeah. this is awesome i just think we related to each other because we were kind of the same character yeah especially mm-hmm. from um being cut from the same cloth from a work ethic standpoint it makes a world of difference um that being said jack you are the business operation coordinator for bhx what does that mean what does that mean what does that mean because um, it sounds like a bunch of letters it is it very much is so basically what we do is we run the business and we get things done. And right now it was more like, let's put a, let's put a title in place for when people are looking, but really it's just, what do we have to do to get it done? Yeah. So a lot of things, what that should mean and what that does mean on most projects is I'm going to handle making sure when we have interviews scheduled and what the schedule is for the day, getting in contact with clients. But Really, it's it's whatever we need to get done, we get done. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, it looks good on your resume. I guess, yeah. yeah. It, it looks good on a college resume. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess, I, I mean, for us, it's just, I have more of an interest probably, well, we both have interests in both sides, but if you want to s- get down to the specialty of it, mm-hmm. I'm more of your creative story, and he loves the business side. Yeah. It, we both love both, Yeah. but if you wanted to break it apart, like, where's the specialty? If we can so, specialize, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. Well, you'd, so. you'd rather not be the exact same person. Exactly. Because oh, right. you would then just Probably. butt heads the whole time. Yeah, you want to yeah. make sure that you... And we are, and I think that's really good, is yeah. that we both have different interests. Like, like, when I look at sports, I'm not a huge sports guy at all. So when I look at a sports, I'm like, oh, gosh, that was a cool shot. Like, I'm not watching for the game or anything. I'm watching for how are they covering it. And he's, like, interested in the game as well as how did they cover it. And that's a broadcaster in you. Probably, perhaps. But, yeah, it's it's more, I I tend to think initially just like, ooh, that'd be really cool if we could use this sort of image and a symbolic theme here. And he's thinking, oh, here's a pitch we could make to this business. And when you merge the two together, it just works. Yeah. So that's kind of the, that's that's the title. Yeah, there's your yeah. letters. Yeah. yeah. There's my letters. <laughs> yeah. So, that being said, WEEM was obviously the common denominator. Yeah. What is the goal of WEEM? I mean, obviously, eight years ago when you got into WEEM, it is a different animal completely to when Jackson it, spearheading the video movement, which now I would say more people get on WEEM to see the videos than they do listen to the radio. I can't vouch for that, but yeah. I mean, people look forward to that yeah. stuff coming out. I think there's numbers that would vouch for that. <laughs> I would like to see it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know... What, what's the mission of WEAM? I mean, it's it's just, it's a program I think that we've both benefited from, you know, and I, I can talk about it from, I think, more of a student perspective. Like, if it weren't for Pendleton Heights and having that program, you know, at the time it was not specifically tailored to what I'm doing now, but it at least found an interest for me and just like, hey, it uncovered a passion. And then it took me through college to kind of like polish up and what that looked like. But it just, otherwise, I think I'd be probably somewhere in corporate America sitting in a cubicle as an engineer like my dad. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say I wouldn't like that. I, I perhaps may like that. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, I guess the mission is just to uncover a passion. That's what I would say it is. To me, like, it definitely taught me, above all else, is how to communicate. Because that was huge. Because there for two years I was just running a show where I interviewed local organizations and business people and it was like 
okay, I'm 15, how do I run this conversation? You know what I mean? Absolutely. So like, and that's been a huge help, especially doing what we're doing is how do I not come off like I'm 17? Because we don't want them to know that off the front. Like, I'm going to beep out every single time we say your age in this. So people (laughs) are just like really confused. No, I mean, that's a, that's a funny thing that you get brought up because like in our industry, you know, we're making video content for businesses at the end of the day. It's about the product. It's about the product. And if the product works, what's it matter if he's 89 or if he's 17? Mm-hmm. And yeah. what's it matter if I'm 26 and have three Emmys? It doesn't. It's the product speaks for itself. And it's really interesting. We've had some really awesome conversations with like big CEOs and businesses. And his age never gets brought up. For the most part, they always ask like, oh, are you guys both married? Or like you have kids? And it's, we're both like, no, no, you know, we're both single, you know, that sort yeah. of thing. But right. it, as long as he's, you know. And if people do found out, they're like... Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's, almost, it's almost like you. It's like interesting. It's like you're really impressive. Yeah. And so it's almost like now. And then like if you want to, if I think if I was 17, it doesn't work. I think I'm the the, the check of the box. Like they feel comfortable. Right. They're impressed. And that gets sense. so much easier next year if I'm at college or. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny to see, honestly, uh, most people would assume that you guys would be the backwards. I mean, like. Yeah. pairing that you as the older person would be the business end and Jack would be the young <laughs> creative guy. funny about it. It is yeah. funny. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think a lot of that is the backgrounds, like like yeah. we said, because I grew up in a family where my um, my stepdad runs an accounting business mm-hmm. and does taxes and things. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I think you know him. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so I've always grown up with this mentality of, okay, how do we run a company and build something that you can take care of your family with. And I have cousins who are self-employed and an uncle who's self-employed and a grandpa who's self-employed. Mm-hmm. So Some for, of which were on earlier podcast, folks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Watch those. Listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for me, that's where that passion came from. And I, I love being creative. I've always been creative. But for me, it's more oh, voice crack. Now. I'm <laughs> yeah, 17. Yeah. Um, logistics and how do you make a business that can benefit other people, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So... I've always, if I were to look back at 17-year-old Sean, I wish that there weren't so many people that would push you away from creativity. Mm-hmm. I think 2020's been so different than even when you and I were in school, Tyler. Yeah. Like, it wasn't cool to do ween. It wasn't, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't the cool thing to do. Mm-mm. And if I could go back in time and just harness yeah. and make a jump or do something that I think I would have liked. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I, I mean, I knew a 17 year old Sean. Yeah. I remember when, yeah, I, I remember walking across a graduation stage and your sister walked across cause she's my age and there was a duck call from the audience and I'm pretty sure that might've been you. Mm-hmm. That was from, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I'm that. I'm sure that everybody knew that she graduated. We were all very proud. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with you though. Like but we talk about this all the time. Literally it has been a source of college essays for me. The yeah. importance of creativity and how often that's lost now because yeah. it's almost like stick to your bubble, yeah. you know, go with the, the status quo. Yeah, absolutely. And like if you just, and Tyler talks about this a lot, especially if you take your strengths and build on those, there's yeah. somebody else who's going to have a strength that is your weakness. Yeah. They can fill that spot, build on your strength and you're going to be successful. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing I, I think for us, you know, the goal here is to make a production company that can employ others that to not only give them a job, but to employ them to do the best work and the most meaningful work of their career within an industry that they love and have passion for. And they can be subsections. Like I'm passionate about sports. He's passionate about politics. So like we can do both. If someone comes along that's super passionate about business branding for banks, well then let's get into that. Or web design. Or web design. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so I think there's a tendency in life this sounds more TED talky than anything, but there's a tendency for us to think of improvement. I think everybody's trying to improve, but the way we go about it, I think a lot of people try to focus on bringing their weaknesses up to like adequate or like, you know, just like, oh, this will get me by it and here's my strengths. Well, we've all been gifted in certain areas. Like you're gifted in areas that I'm not and Jack's gifted in areas that I'm not and vice versa all the way around. So why don't we just focus on our top five strengths and build those up and then find other people like this that I'm not the most, yeah, I'm not the most business minded person where he is. So he compliments there and where I can compliment on like the creativity and like the story sort of side of it. And then all of a sudden you've got a great thing. And then, 
you know, there's so many different types of work environments. Like if we can have one that can change people's lives to allow them to do creative work and be meaningful, I think that'll be a success. So yeah, we talk about that a lot, like creative solutions and like, there's so many people, like think about this. How many times through school did we get told, be creative and do creative things? And we had so many activities that like fostered that, like, you know, like think outside of the sandbox and that sort of thing through school. And we're gonna do arts and crafts and things like that. But then a lot of the times as I've found is you get into the professional world, with creativity comes risk. And with risk sometimes comes financial investments. And like if you risk that and like it falls. If you're risking somebody else's money, it's a no-go. It's a no-go, yeah, exactly. So why is creativity so preached, but then so hesitant to like make an investment to it? And so like that's one thing that like I want to make sure I cannot wait for the day. I mean, there's been moments up to this point where we've both just fallen flat on our face. And I'm like, hey, Jack, get back up. Or he's like, hey, Tyler, get up. You know, we added a couple other team members here that help us on like a very freelance sort of basis here and there. And I'm t- I keep telling them, I cannot wait for the day that you fall on your face so we can say, get up. You just learned from that. You won't do that again. And you can be creative and you feel safe to be creative. So. Yeah. It's those protective environments. I think um, maybe in 2020 high school is different than in 2014, but... There was no safe space to be creative as much. I mean, you would have to be in that weed hallway, in that arts hallway, in order to have that. It wasn't fostered throughout. There wasn't as many outlets on social media. There weren't as many conversations between young people about those types of things. Um, It it is interesting to see kids now, and the schools now, I think, are even pushing back a little bit more and saying maybe we have been wrong. And they're pushing for different types of educations for kids mm-hmm. with uh, the vocational schools like we had talked about before. I think they're looking at there's other ways for these kids to be happy and make money because going to school, accruing yeah. $100,000 in debt might not be the way to do it. Well, and not just that. College isn't for everyone. Yeah. Like if you're scraping through high school and don't enjoy it, you probably aren't going to want to go spend four more years in a classroom. Yeah. And it's like that, frankly put. Mm-hmm. And there's jobs that people need that pay well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which always amazes me. They just need more people to fail. I mean, that's the thing yeah. is like not fail in the classroom, but fail in kind of the classroom and situations that you need that F on your paper to and then stand back up. Mm-hmm. My biggest thing is, you know, I've got kids down the road that you know, every time they fall, they get picked back up. They don't stand back up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's the issue, but I think that might be part of it. Mm-hmm. Kids need to learn how to stand up on their own and mm-hmm. face their own battles. and Yeah. And I think a lot of the time, too, my dad and I talk about this a lot. Some of your most successful business people in the world were not your straight-A students. You know, they were sometimes your C students. Uh, Because that environment, whatever it is, just wasn't conducive for them. So, yeah, I think that there's something to be said. Like, go try that welding class. Go try that auto mechanics class. Go try that engineering class. Or go try that class where you're going to make a video or paint a picture. Um, or be on stage. I think all that stuff's healthy. Yeah, and it's all scary. And Mark Cuban even has a line about that in one of his interviews. He says, the all-A students are going to be working in good-paying corporate jobs. The B students are going to be helping at a startup, and the C students are going to be starting that company. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that's always true by any means, but even today I read an Elon Musk quote. He said that, schooling isn't always the education. I didn't go to Harvard, but the people who work for me go to Harvard. Yeah. Because it's it's not about that. It's about your ambition and your drive. It's not at all about yeah. where your degree's from. Yeah. And this always, this stuck with me too. I, I got this from an ESPN producer. Um, and I think this is so true. I asked in class, this was probably a few months ago now, yeah. I said, who here is creative? And you have like four kids raise their hand, and those are the same four kids that talk to me about how they like to draw or they like to paint. Um, your athlete isn't saying that he's creative or your stereotypical uh, just a student isn't saying that they're creative and I always say and this is what that producer told me one time he said no 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 everyone's creative just some people are more practiced at it than others and there's two types creativity is on a spectrum there's uh, creativity where you like rules and boundaries and you work really hard around those rules and boundaries and that's how you're most creative and then some people like just the blank slate canvas and then they just get to like make something and then they're creative there. A lot of people associate that that's the only way for creativity. No, no, no. I tend to think, and people would probably associate me over here, 
I think I'm a little bit more over here. Like, here's my creative limits or here's my boundaries. Like, with what we do, I'm limited to a screen and I'm limited to a camera and I'm limited to, like, this is going to be parked on a social media feed and the screen is this big. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's my boundaries. Now, how can I work around that to create the best experience possible? That's creativity. Um, and I may not be good at, here's a piece of paper and draw me a picture. That's not going to look the best. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and I wouldn't even know where to start. I'd have to, like, almost just have something I'm tracing. So, yeah, I think we, it's, it's one of those conversations that I don't think a lot of people talk about, nor do they understand it. Um, because until, and I think once you think about that, it can be somewhat challenging. Like, in what environment am I the most creative? And then you need to find an environment where you can work because that's where your best fit. Like, that's right. where your strengths lie. So You need to find somewhere where you can solve the problem. Yeah, because creative solutions. That's how we progress. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that being said, you are the story background of this, correct? I am, yeah. So, but that's through practice and learning and your Emmys and everything else. So, yeah. story structure I find interesting. Have you guys read the book, uh, The Story Brand? By, no, oh, what is his name? But it's a marketing piece. And mm -hmm. the idea is um, he creates marketing structures for large organizations based off foundational storytelling. Okay. So, in theory, as a brand... You never want to be the hero of the story. Mm -hmm. You want the customer mm -hmm. to be that hero. Yeah. And all you are is you are the guide. You are the, not the Frodo Baggins, but I'm... That's how you're going to get him there. I'm yeah. the guy taking and walking with Frodo as Frodo goes on the... the vehicle. Yeah. 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 I'm Sam... Um, oh, what is his... Come on. Come on, Sam. Guys. Sam from Lord of the Rings. I'm not Lord of the Rings. I'm not Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. He's stuck with a bunch of guys. <laughs> um... God, you're the spider I'm that beats really dumb, that, uh, that bites Peter Parker. Yeah, but either way, you're the you're the guide that guides them through this whole journey yeah. um, and allows them to be the hero. So I understand story structure from a very business, yeah, Sorry. business level. Brandy, so talk to me about how you form a story and how you start because mm -hmm. I assume the structure is similar throughout all. Yeah, so. Similar, but it's also not similar. At yeah, all. I'm, I'm a big nerd when it comes to this. Like my, my my graduate degree is in digital storytelling. Okay. It's like storytelling's in the name. So if you think back to it, we're hard. Our, we have brains that are hardwired to consume information, and if you look at the way that that brain is hardwired to consume information, it's through stories. Uh, it's why we're drawn to Hollywood. It's why we're drawn to books, and it's why we're drawn to the campfire around, you know, at, on a summer night. Because we like to sit around and just share stories to each other, which is really interesting. So then if we can identify that trend, then we should identify like how to best tell stories. And it goes back to think like cavemen. You know, at the end of the day, cavemen were just drawing carved images on cave walls, but to say like, hey, the buffalo went that way. Well, that's their story and that's their device. And it's no different than what you and I are doing. Like we're recording a podcast right now. The device happens to be these microphones and that, and it's gonna be packaged onto a screen, mm -hmm. right? So like we make videos for a social media feed. Well, that's our device, that's our cave wall, but we're still trying to communicate a story. So although like technology has advanced all of the devices, the need for storytelling is still there. So. Now you go into structure, and I think stories are the most powerful thing that we have. Like that, at the end of the day, that's all we have. I have my story, and you have yours, mm -hmm. and um, that's how you change the world. Because stories have the ability to connect people; they have the ability to drive conversations, initiate emotions, uh, call people to action. They have all of that. Um, so, how to target that? Themes. Every story breaks down into themes, and you get further than that. You know, we've, think of uh, happiness. Like, if I say the word happiness, something comes to mind for you. It might be your wife, it might be your kid, you know, it might be whatever. It might be work, but it's going to be different for me because it's based off my previous experience. So, we could both watch a story. Let's just take The Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. You know, what's the main theme of The Wizard of Oz? Someone could say, oh, a journey. Another person could say, oh, it's friendship. Another one's like, well, realizing characteristics that you already had. Well, we all just watch the same story. How can we derive multiple themes? Well, that's the whole beauty of it, is because based off of our previous life experiences. So, you know, how to structure that, that stuff I love, how to write a story, how to, you know, engage. Every single thing needs to subconsciously tell that story. Like, down to, like, when, a, when font comes up, the font selection, the way the font comes in. Like, say we're telling a story, 
was just watching an old story from today. A guy fell and broke his leg, okay? I remember sitting there and saying, okay, all the font, we're going to slowly bring the font down on everything. I don't know if you'll, like, notice it. I just want it to be a very subconscious thing to know that the text is falling because he had fallen to, you know, shatter his leg in two places. Or can we have, um, this guy's in jail, um, so we're going to make the interview shot just a little bit tighter so it looks like he's in a box, and so, like, he's boxed in a little bit. Like, all those sort of subconscious things that fit those themes, using our devices to fit them, that stuff, like, that... That gets me good. When he says he's a nerd about it, I walked in one day and he goes, oh yeah, today we were talking about symbolic and irrationalism theory. I was like, where do you come up with this yeah, stuff? That's the grad school in me. But yeah, I like, that's the stuff I like. And like, that's the stuff that like, you know, when we meet with like a business and stuff, like that's instantly where my mind is heading. Like they're telling, I always ask them like, what's your story? You know, like, oh, we started this company 25 years ago and here's how we started it. Or here's our mission and things like that. And he, he helps with like, Okay, like here's how we're going to schedule the shoot. My mind instantaneously in those meetings go, ooh, okay, this is a generational story. How can we like, I don't know, should we use a, like time lapse and hyperlapses because that's a passage of time and like that's where my mind's heading and his mind. And is, sometimes you edited the whole video in your head before. Yeah, in my head I like can instantly just see it and then I try to express it. it sounds like I'm on drugs half the time because it's like you know some <laughs> random idea you just fetched out. And sometimes I'm like, um, I think I think the clients are going to want to hear this. Yeah. They're like, can we just make that line this? Can yeah. we put that enough? You know that. Kind and of that. that's kind of a balance too. Like if I had my way with most projects, you're going to see some really weird things. Like let's submerge a guy into milk and have him like come up out of milk to represent like. I birth grew up or on a dairy farm. Or something. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm weird. Like when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. But that's the stuff I like. I need to read that book. Is uh, my girlfriend was actually just asking me Christmas presents for what her parents could give me. So I'll just say, yeah, hey, here, here's an Amazon. And yeah, it would actually go really well for what you guys do, if, yeah. especially if businesses are are the market. It's, yeah, it's very yeah. interesting how they pose yeah. the business in their storytelling. Well, mm-hmm. it's very interesting. We've gotten to I meet. Have the book. I can give it to you. Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> We've gotten to meet a lot of really cool people in just six months, and it's very interesting to see what you know, company heads or startup founders, what different people look for when they're looking at video projects or marketing. Like yesterday, we were on the phone with a guy who said, from a business, the first thing I want to see is a, something from former clients saying how the project went. They want testimonials. And we're like, that is never what we would choose. That's, yeah, that's We'd be not like, all give me do. a targeted Facebook ad that's showing something cool. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like. But it's very interesting where you learn what the market is for different consumers, mm-hmm. I guess. And that's something that we have room to grow on totally. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Well, we yeah, honestly, to... you guys are very new at this. Oh, yeah. So, like, the amount of times you have to fall on your face. Yeah. We're, uh, yeah. There's well, and like we always say, if we get bored one day, the whole, another goal of this is to build the skill set to, okay, let's say we do get bored of this go land a different job we pack it up you know what I mean like we never want to get bored with our work and I don't think we will because there's so many avenues we can go down but like that's it's one of the big things I I always say on every shoot like and I'll say it like six times like we having fun and if the answer is no, then we need to change something. We right. need to change something about that shoot. Or talking to, to the individuals you're shooting or talking Sorry, to your staff. With talking with us and like, or whoever else you know, we bring we, along. If we bring someone else along with us, if the answer is no, then either A, this isn't for us, or B, we need to change something. Right. Um, because this should be fun. Like, we're yeah. making videos for social media. Like, we should be having fun. Yeah. <laughs> you we're know? playing yeah. with <laughs> awesome cameras yeah. and awesome lights and... Yeah, I watched the um, behind the scenes one. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it is actually it's actually crazy. So like this light, I'm, yeah. You guys earlier were talking about lighting. I got so nervous about the lighting setup I have in here because it's really bad. Yeah. And I was like, it's, I wonder what they think. It's better than most. It's better than most. <laughs> there, you there you go. The fact it's that fun. you even have a light tells me that you think that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I just I mean like in half these realistically they don't get uploaded unless I it's just I my biggest thing is time you guys both know so mm-hmm. I I'm, well this was actually satirical I guess when I yeah. read this can you explain how radio waves work you don't have to do that <laughs> um, can you explain how the internet works you don't have to do that real question how does videography work like well, I understand it in my brain but like yeah. I don't so what are you curious about? yeah what, what part of video are you so like how does, a, have, how does a project work, or how does like that camera? No, like, I get that. That, that. that well, actually, I don't get that. Yeah. So let's not let's let's not get too into that. How uh-huh. cameras work is like 
Yeah, I don't need my brain to explode. But when it comes to videography, obviously you guys edit Mm -hmm. things down very much so. Um, And you do it in like split seconds and you transition to the next frame. Like how much do you shoot versus how much do you... Uh, Yeah. Actually, it's a pretty... That's a really frequent question we get. Yeah. Most of the time, I would say between shooting and editing, Mm -hmm. every minute of video you see on screen... If you factor in shoot time, it's usually about eight to ten hours worth of work. Six to eight of that is usually every minute on a screen? video that you see on screen of the stuff we do. Yeah, so like at so every if it's minute, a four minute video. It took you eighty yeah, hours. You're looking, yeah, to give or no, take, eight, give or thirty two hours. Yeah, you're looking at eight to ten hours per minute of video. So you'd be okay. looking at forty hours. Okay, I don't thirty-two. Know I put eighteen in there. So yeah, well, that's you know, school. Bad math. <laughs> yeah, math. Uh, yeah, thirty-two to forty hours for a four minute video. If you're looking at a minute piece, you're looking at you know probably eight to ten hours. Um, is that shooting or editing? That would be together. I would say edits usually take six to eight hours of that time. So, so edits probably going to be about seventy five percent of your time. Oh wow! Because that's where you're taking all this footage, yeah. and now you're it's like you're writing yeah. a book, is what we always say. So now we have to choose the How lines. You, to so you have to watch it. every single video and be yeah. like, "That's what I want." No, so like here's the, talk that's about the em, the Emmy projects are probably the best example of this. You're telling someone's life story, and you're telling it in either like 10, 12, 13 minutes. Okay, so you're going to go shoot all this. I remember getting back, I had interviewed like five different people for one of the projects. Each interview is like an hour, hour and a half long. And then you have all this footage. I had a total of like 15 hours worth of footage total. If you just put everything together, 15 hours, that's got to go down to 10 minutes. So it's a lot of, it's literally editing. It's take... Take a long thing and strip it all the way down to the most bare minimum. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. Yeah, and you like, want to hit the high point, the low yeah. point, where they and are now. Okay. Which, especially with shooting, when we shoot, and I think a lot of people don't realize this when it comes to like a videographer, 80% of the stuff is not usable. It's all B-roll. It's like you might have something in there, but like 20% is only like that's usable, and then of that 20%, only a certain percentage of that gets used. So it's very... It's just a lot of people don't understand the process of it. So that's why movies take so long to make. Yeah, yeah, exactly. very long. Well, think about, there's an hour and a half movie. Think about one minute of video takes about that, and on a movie level, that's even bigger because you got to like travel, <laughs> do all yeah. that, you know, and you have special effects too that you're adding in too. So like and professional color. So how do vloggers get this stuff turned around so fast? Well, that's their full time thing. <laughs> well, and they build it out days in advance, so mm-hmm. like they have next week's videos already made mm-hmm. kind of thing because you have to like if we were going to start a youtube channel one day i would say we'd stockpile our first two months or something and then be ready to have frequent content after that because if you don't have frequent content then you're not going to make progress yeah. either it's it's, it's yeah it's it's really the content game though but that's where we're at in the world right now it's it's about how much content can you put out there? Yeah. The thing about it is how much time it takes to create the content. Yeah. I don't think anyone understands. And that's that's probably our biggest battle we see on like pitches and things like that. You know, this is expensive work, A, from the gear that it takes to pull it off to be the time, and but it has a lot of value. You think like, oh, it's a minute video, but that's going to be the most impactful thing in terms of your business reaching out to like potential clients and things like that, that that you'll ever have. Like it's it's that sort of pull. Like I can I'll let me just use Weem as an example. Uh, because the numbers are fresh in my head. We would go do like live content of a sports game. So this is a high school football or a high school basketball game. Okay? I'll just let you take a guess. How many eyeballs do you think Weem has? And it's simply like over a weekend from, from Friday to Monday. Yeah, over like Friday to Monday and you're gonna play a football game on Video Friday. or audio? No, just just the whole social Twitter media. thread. The just Twitter. the Twitter thread. Like how many eyeballs are on that? I don't know. There's got a thousand followers on the account, but the thing is with that, you have retweets and things like that, yeah. so shares. We would average about 100,000 eyeballs on a high school account. That's insane. And, you know, a part of that is the content being good, but you're not going to have a be- In the town of Pendleton, you're not going to have a better pull marketing-wise. You could park a sign out front that's, you know, 80 feet tall, that's bigger than the high-rise out front, and it's not going to have more eyeballs on it than what we can do. And the reason is because it's just the nature of viral videos and things sharing and blowing up. How people up. interact. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's how many people in this town? 5,000? So oh let's say every single person drove by that sign. You have 5,000 eyeballs that saw that. 
we can cut a slick video and just parks right on their phone as they're already second screening and staring at it, and boom, there's 100,000 over a weekend over the course of a content of a live game. And, so, and we live in a world where it's short attention spans yeah. and you want the most up-to-date information, yeah. and social media is the outlet for that. Absolutely. So especially if we're doing live coverage, I mean, you're going to go right yeah. there and be able to see, oh, that's my nephew's play, or that's my best friend's play, yeah. or whatever that may be, and then you're going to share that, and then they're going to see that and be like, oh, oh cool, you know? I saw, sorry, I saw no. a stat, I think it might have been from Forbes that released this, by 2022, so, you know, we're it's close, close, 82 or 84% of all online traffic and content is going to be video. I also saw another one that said businesses that use video marketing, uh, like, you're talking astronomically better percentage of revenue coming in, like 49% better That's revenue. That's crazy. Because and do you think that, that there's a direct correlation to the amount of money that they're spending on that marketing in order to gain those clients that they're now gaining, but now they have more revenue, so they have to spend more, more. money? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Do you oh, yeah. think there's a direct correlation It's a higher there? quality product, and it's going to get you higher revenue. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Which then you have to spend more money to... Yeah. Yeah. create more content because once you get one you get yeah. hooked you want to do the next one yeah it's amazing to me like th- just look at like Thanksgiving's coming I don't know when you're going to release this so uh, next fe- Wednesday perfect so oh, Thanksgiving the day before, yeah. Thanksgiving is coming up okay if you're getting together with your family just at one random point just stop and look around and see the number of people looking at their phone Okay. I watch this social dilemma, so I don't look at my phone anymore. Uh, there you go. Doesn't that just change P- your mind? Putting yeah. you guys out of business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so just look at the number of people are on their phone. Somebody had to make that documentary. Jeez yeah. Louise. So there's, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. There's, they're probably looking at Facebook. They're probably looking at Twitter and or Instagram. Okay. So, at that time, and this is a social dilemma, basically, you have businesses that can be right in the palm of their hand during their family Thanksgiving. Okay. Just stop and like really think about that. So if marketing is meet people where they're at, just meet them in the palm of their hand. It just so happens it's on a device called an iPhone or mm-hmm. you know an Android. Yeah. So oh, and something else I noticed this year, especially being an election year, is that how many ads did you see on TV compared to how many ads did you get on Facebook before your favorite YouTube video on Snapchat, even everywhere. It's because that's where the market's at. And you can target your specific demographics, people who you think have a potential. And the same goes for businesses. You can make targeted ads down to the age, race, and gender that you want. Well, and then the interesting thing now is um, with Facebook and Facebook Pixel and all the other things, you can actually create, based off your actual clientele, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you guys know, an audience that's exactly like the audience you already have emails for. Yep. A lookalike audience yeah. that's always all have the same qualities as people you already have, mm-hmm. and you can send it send it out to them, mm-hmm. and then you do it to the next ones after you get there. Mm-hmm. It's it's. And you can run. And you, from there, you can see what part did they interact with, what didn't they interact with, optimize it next month, send out a new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then on Facebook too, on all these accounts, you can target down to like, I want eighteen to thirty-five year old moms that live in Fishers and love dogs. You know, and you run a dog walking business, something like that. Yeah. And boom, it's in all the palms of their hand just like that. And you know how you can't do that? TV, radio, yeah. typical media. Billboards. Yeah. Because they can't media. track that. They can't track the yeah. person. The ROI is impossible to track. Yeah. We, so one of the businesses that we uh, run is down the road. Mm-hmm. And since he started four years ago, he's never ran paper ads. He's never mm-hmm. done anything. He's been 100% digital because you can immediately know your it's ROI. Smart. <laughs> well, he's yeah. our age. Yeah. So, like, but he immediately knew what he was. Yeah. His ROI was. Yeah. He could calculate down to the dollar with his Google ads mm-hmm. exactly what he would have to spend to make X. Yeah. Well, I can go on our website platform right now and see that we had 151 views this month from, and 54 came from Facebook. The rest came from Google. I can tell you that and right three now. Three of them was me today. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, take that into sports so like all these professional teams and all these high-level college athletics have creative departments that run their social media so if the goal is to engage a fan base what content during a live during the week because you have a content calendar what content engages the fans the best like is it that picture pregame or is it that slick video you cut in the middle of the week and now also the time you posted it like you could po- take that same video and yeah, post it I at seven a.m. or you could post it at like three p.m. and it's going to be have a very different 
on that level of stuff when you're having with like millions of followers, a very different sort of reaction. All that's super important when you're talking about return on investment. Like and you can see that from national level all the way down to Pendleton level. Local. So do you guys uh, consult and stuff like that as well? Partially. Like some of them will ask us, like it kind of depends on the business. Some of them are very receptive to like tell us what we're doing wrong and some of them are just very make us the content. So yeah. when we get a business or a, a client and for I, us, that I would like to do that more because yeah. I love we love looking at those numbers and stuff. Yeah, and we we have a couple that are very receptive to that, and so we we get a little bit more like in depth. But yeah. you guys are still, I mean, like if a business doesn't want that and all they want is just make the stuff, then we we're yeah, we make just give them what they need. You know, we make stuff and we tell them like, hey, we could do this for you, but yeah. sometimes they're just yeah. I just need the content. Because we also like to see the content we make put out at the best time and getting the best numbers because it helps us too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's yeah. marketing. Yeah. It's marketing for you just as much as it's marketing for somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's just say let's just say I take my drone out and just I'm gonna go fly my drone around. Yeah, by the way, sick drone videos. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just say I'm gonna do that. But I post it at noon versus eight PM. I'm gonna get different likes, I'm gonna get different interactions. Which one's better? Well, it depends on who I want to engage. Who do you want to engage? Well, do I want to engage people my age or do I want to engage a business owner? Uh, business owner, I assume. Okay, business owner. I'm probably going to have more success posting at noon on their lunchtime. Ooh, Someone my age is going to bed at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Then you scroll through your feed before right, you go before to bed, bed like boom, things. Got so it really just depends on who you're trying to target. Yeah. And it also, like, it can kind of depend per video. Yeah. Like, there's times where I'm like, ah, oh, this one's going to, this this piece of content's not going to hit, and boom, you hit a home run. Then there's ones that you spend all this time on, and it's just like, yeah, this isn't going to, or this will be great, and then it just kind of falls on its face. Yeah. And it's a, it's a yeah. balance of that. And I think for us, the challenge is making the one that hits the home run our best stuff. You know, like, I, I think we want we, people to see our best stuff. Yeah. I think yeah. we took a but lot your of, best stuff is also different than, well, what your perceived best stuff yeah. is also different than what my perceived best stuff is. So yeah. Back to your story. Everybody's going to perceive the yeah. story in a different exactly. way. Right? Like, and I think for us, like the, the football one, the intro video before sectional. Dude, that's sick. Yeah. So that's one the where, like. The music was sick. Yeah. I watched it before, you know, let's get ready to run through a wall before you got here. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> so you want to know how I found that song? This is funny. Hey. I, I, never yeah. mind, keep going. I was oh. going to ask about like music royalties and how that all that stuff works. I have no oh, idea how that stuff works. Okay, we, we can, can help you there. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, I had found that song. There's a guy in Atlanta. His Instagram handle is Atlanta Drone Guy, and we help we, we help a company called Hiveon uh, that's based out of Atlanta. That's basically think like a beehive. So they're the center, and then they send out drone pilots in oh, all cool. these different markets, and. Uh, he sends me a lot of, he's just a friend from Wall State, he sends me a lot of this guy's stuff, because most of the time he actually flies illegally, right. but nonetheless, uh, <laughs> FAA, you know, regulations. But anyways, he sent me one of his videos, and that song was the video, was the soundtrack, and I went and I found it, and I said, we had been talking about, because we want to get to the point where we're doing intro videos, like a Jumbotron, say like the Colts are running out. Yes. You know, that sort of stuff's contracted out by video production companies, and yes. you know, we're going to have to build into that, do like... You know, local level colleges and things like yeah. that. And I'll then, buy uh, a jumbotron if you guys want to play that. Yes, intro of me getting ready to go to the insurance <laughs> office yeah. in the morning. So we want to get into that. So we're like, hey, we need to. We would like to put one together, and then we can also have like the kids from the high school come along too and like help us out. And so that was the idea behind the Pendleton one. And so then we get into the story part. So we're like, okay, they're preparing for sectional. It is in October. What do we do here? And so I had heard that song, and I was like, ooh, this is awesome. Let's song. do like a survival of the fittest sort of thing. Like, let's put them in the woods, and like, let's make it sort of like a wolf sort of thing. And so like, they're attacking, and but it's football. Can we get a water? Yeah, and then I was like, can we like raise a guy from the dead? Like, that would look really <laughs> cool. And so then it just kind of like all started clicking, and then boom comes the song, and I was like, this is it. And so that was one where really, because it, the numbers on that were insane. Dude, like, it slaps. Like, it went viral kind of, like, right? Like 75,000 eyeballs. It went Indiana viral, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. But we had, we, had a, we had a Chicago hockey team reach out wanting to do a video. Um, we had numerous high schools in this area reach out wanting to do videos. Uh, things just like that. So that's one where we were really proud of. We felt like we put some of our best stuff out and the return yeah. and the eyeballs matched it. And that's one that's and like, that, that you take a lot of pride in that. Yeah. Feels good. And that was yeah. a job where it required a team larger than us, where logistics oh. went into it, where we had to 
plan getting rentals and all kinds yeah. of stuff. But it's, yeah, it's, it we had was a team good. of seven for that one. Yeah, and the behind the heat. Yeah. I'm glad that you guys are posting the secondary content with yeah. it, like the B-roll stuff to yeah. see how it's made. Because people are nosy. Yeah, they <laughs> want to know. For me, I'm nosy yeah. because in some aspect, like people want to be creative. They just know that. But you want to know how they did work. it too. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then I saw the bottom screen. On oh, the, the edit. Yeah, on the, yeah. The edit screen. I was like, yeah, no way. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, but you could get there. No, no way. <laughs> well, and it doesn't like. It For these weird. kinds of needs, it, it it never has to be that extensive. Yeah, That's it's crazy. it's a lot of things that you just don't. You watch something back and you're like, ooh, would that sound a lot better with like a how in the background? Oh, would that sound? Better I listened with trees? to it and I was trying to like see if yeah. you added that because yeah. I was looking at the the bottom. It's all faked. It's yeah, all so. faked. You just add and you just keep adding layers and you're like a little bit more wind. Hey, go find a wind sound. Okay, I need like an ominous drone. Okay, get that? Okay, cool. Hey, sirens? Sirens would sound good. Go find an announcer and you just keep adding and layering sounds and layering all that. And you go back to stories and themes. Like if you hear like, like sirens, instantaneously you think danger, you think something's wrong. Or you yeah. hear a wolf, you instantaneously connect this idea of like surviving in the nature. It's all right. it's all linked. So yeah, nerdy stuff. Like really but it's weird. It's so cool, like, I like it. I yeah. think it's very interesting. <laughs> So when I find someone that finds that interesting and like, you know, most people in my life on an average day, if I were to talk to like my girlfriend about this, mm -hmm. she would be like, leave me alone. Yeah. Like she's a nurse and she's like, you know, she thinks it's cool when she's like, hey, yo, I took someone from like the PCU unit to this and we had like a six bow thing. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying at all. And I'm like, hey, yo, like, look at this. Like, we raised someone from the dead with, yeah. like, fake water right. sounds and, like, you know, like. You know, watch Parks and Rec. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like, when Ben does the um, the claymation video. Because yeah. oh, he's yeah. so, so proud. He goes, it's watch this, watch this. Two seconds. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, that's it. That's how we are. We're, like, we got the opening sequence. Ten seconds later, it's like, okay, let's get back to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All that stuff's really fun. Like, oh, it's, yeah. Well, like, we drove to Atlanta together. Nine hour drive. There I am back. You think we ran out of things to talk about? No. no. It's That's like weird. Oh, yeah, these just... other stories we could tell. Yeah. You know? But this is the exciting time. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. when you're in it and you're loving it and you're doing all the fun things. Yeah. And like we talk about this a lot. You look at the direction that the media industry and this work's going right now. It's that. Like ESPN right now, it'd be a really bad time to work at ESPN. And let's. Hopefully no one ESPN listens to this, but it was highly maybe, unlikely. Yeah, yeah, highly unlikely. But like, think about that. Like, um, they're laying off executives left and right. Like, you see, it just seems like every six months you get an article that's like ESPN lays off you know X number of people. Just again, they're laying off the big ones. But ESPN's still on TV, and people are still going to it. But the reason they have to do that is because people are cutting their cable bill. They're cutting their cable bill and going to like streaming services like Netflix or Hulu or you know uh, yeah. package well, free ones like YouTube. Yeah, yeah, ones that offer like package deals and things like that. And what's that? What that is doing is think about Netflix or the social dilemma. That is a third-party production company making that and making likely a lot of money off of that. So like ESPN, The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. That's one of the best things that's been viewed on ESPN's platforms this year. It might be the most watched piece of content yeah that's a third-party production company working for ESPN to get that to Netflix and to ESPN because it's a lot cheaper to hire them out for one job than it is to staff them full-time yeah and yeah. you pay for benefits and all that other stuff so like just do that yeah and that that production company you know makes tons of money to do that sort of stuff everybody it's, is gravy on that right yeah and so like even this like think about how many businesses need video content oh but they can't afford to have a full-time creative on staff. But if you can just hire a Tyler right. and Jack out or like a company like a BHX right. Creative that does that, then it's just simple, easy. You just, there's a level of trust with it. Like when you go in, like you're essentially a business owner is handing you over their story and trusting you to deliver that. And I think, you know, that's something that, you know, we don't talk about that a whole lot. Like the trust level with that, it's just something that's understood. Like that's a lot of pressure on us and we need to deliver on that. Like, regardless of the contract or the money that's there, you have business owner with their baby basically handing it over and saying, tell this for me. You know, there's revisions in there and things like that, but that's that's a level of trust that I don't think is discussed a whole lot. You know, that people yeah. should. Like, that's part of it. Right. Absolutely. So if people want to trust you with their business, how do they get a hold of one of you? Yeah, so, I mean, our website's probably the easiest way, um, bhxcreative.com. Uh, we're very... Uh, 
you DM us, it's funny. We get so many requests on DMs. Like, <laughs> Instagram and Facebook DMs. More than any other way. Yeah, more than any other way. You can well, email us. Well, that's how they're consuming it. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Exactly. You could email us, you know, bhxcreative at gmail.com. Uh, you could email either of us personally. Reach Facebook, out. Instagram. Any DMs. Twitter, any of that. Yeah. yeah. Online. Just Google us. Just Google them. Track yeah. them down. Uh, lots of great content already on there. Lots of local business owners that are on there. A lot of really mm-hmm. cool stuff. I could do this for another hour and ask about a hundred more questions that I have. Sounds like I need to, like, after we cut this, tell you about music licensing. Yeah, yeah. I can actually do that. So, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank um, you. We'll have some people contacting you.